from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Skorheim. Welcome back to the show. That's me, Jake Skorheim. <laughs> Stupid. What a stupid way to start an hour. Is that the cartoon character of you? Yeah, it sounded like a cartoon. (laughs) The Jake Skorheim Show with Jake. Yuck. I don't like it. I don't like it. I take it back. I take it back. All right, that's Lisa Brooks. Lisa's going to join us as she does every night for the News Roundup. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. I look forward to it. Matt Butler is here as well. Matt, welcome. Good to be here. To your job that you're here for. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of obligated to show up, but I also enjoy it. Yeah, you got to be here. All right, so at the start of every of the second hour of every show, we talk about things that the other shows are talking about. I forgot what News Roundup was for a second. But before we get into that, we also like to play a trivia clip. And the trivia clip we're going to play tonight, if I can find it here. Where did I put it? I don't know where I put it. Here it is. All right, here's the trivia clip for tonight. I played it earlier. Most of you got it immediately. It's pretty quick. It's four seconds. Lisa, are you ready? Ready. Good luck. I'm still going to melt every city on the planet with liquid hot magma. Oh, 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 what's his name? What's his name? Oh, <laughs> a million, one million dollars. Yes. Oh, God, why is the name Illuminati? You don't have to have the name. You can just have the oh, movie. What okay. movie is it? It's it's the one where Mike Myers. Oh, uh, she doesn't have the name. Take over the world. Uh, uh, no, uh, Mike Myers doesn't try to take over the world. Yes, he does. No, he, he both tries to save the world as well. Yeah, you're technically right. Yeah. She's correct. Dr. Evil That's, is who you're thinking yes, of. Yes, he plays Dr. Evil, but it's called... And he plays the title character by the name of... Oh, you got it. I'm not going to give it to you. Shagadelic, baby. What is it? What is it? I can't think of it. Oh, she's got it. Matt, don't tell her. She's got it. Come on. Ba-ba-ba-ba. He is quite a ladies' man. He's got a very hairy no, chest, know, very bad I know, teeth. I know, I'm seeing all of it. I'm seeing all Glasses. of it, except for the name. People are yelling and banging on their dashboards Velour? right now. Velour? Is that the suit? Is that what his suit is it's made out of? purple velvet. Velvet. With the white um, uh, ruffle down the middle. Yep. All right, I'm going to have to tell you if you yeah, can't come up with don't it. say it. Austin Powers. Yes! Isn't that oh, silly? I hate it when that happens. But you hate, you know it's in your it's head. It's happening more and more as I get older. It happens to me all the time. Does it? When I see my children and I'm trying to scream at them. The names? Do you get the I names? don't know their names. <laughs> Without a doubt, I always say every other name possibility yeah. first, and then I l- finally get their name at the end. You're kind. You're being very kind by saying this just to make me feel better. About no, no, no. This is the Austin truth. Powers yeah, every name. single day, and I scream every single day okay. at my kids, and I never get their names right. I don't know what it is. It's just like a thing that your brain does. Yep. So I, don't, I wouldn't feel bad about it. I don't, don't feel bad at all about it. <sighs> All right, shake it off, Lisa. Shake it off. We can do better. All right, so news roundup. Let's jump into it. In the news roundup, we look back at all the other shows, and we talk about what they're talking about. But first, we play a little clip from what they talked about, and then we can comment on it. And it's a very kind of synergistic thing. Matt, I don't know if we're going to have time to play all these, so you should we start with Seattle's Morning News and see how far we get? Uh, yeah, go for it. All right, Seattle's Morning News, they have a cute story about Oregon's new governor. What is it, like a baby cat or something? A new governor has been sworn in in Oregon, and she's only in fifth grade. On a normal Thursday, Zoya Shah would be attending classes at Findlay Elementary in the Beaverton School District. But yesterday, she was sworn in as Oregon's seventh kid governor. Fifth graders across the state cast their votes for kid governors, and each elementary is allowed to submit a candidate. Zoya's fifth grade classmates voted her in on this platform. My platform is about creating mental health awareness and acceptance in kids. 
As someone who has suffered from extreme anxiety, this issue is very close to my heart. I was lucky to get the support and tools I needed, but not everyone may get the needed help. And that's why I'm here to ensure no kid who is suffering has to fight this alone. Zoya's three-point mental health plan includes creating awareness, normalizing and removing stigma, identifying triggers that cause anxiety and depression, and acting to provide support and tools to cope with it. My vision is to create an environment where you can say, I missed school because I had an anxiety attack. Just as easily as saying, I missed school because I had a fever, without the fear of being judged. Zoya hopes to start clubs statewide to provide mental health support to students. She'd like five minutes of guided meditation or mindfulness practiced in schools each day. In 2017, uh, Oregon became the second state after Connecticut to start this Kid Governor program, which is meant to encourage civic engagement at an early age. New Hampshire and Oklahoma also do this. Very inspiring. Yes. Uh, two things this makes me think of. One, wouldn't it be funny if as soon as she got sworn in as kid governor, she just did something horrible. Like, <laughs> like she Your wants to take to away your places. ability to buy the tires that you want or something <laughs> oh stupid. My gosh. And then two, do you guys think that, and this is a serious question. We can have a kind of a serious conversation about this. Yeah. They didn't have all these terms when I was a kid no, growing up. No. They didn't have terms like triggered and they didn't have terms like mental health or and things like that or anxiety or, attack. No. And so like, you know, when I hear a seven-year-old say like, I suffer from extreme anxiety, I feel very bad for her that she feels like she's yeah. suffering is from- she's ex- seven? She's in fifth grade. How she's, old is she? Is she not seven? Probably like 10 or 11. Whatever. Fifth grade. I, I'm bad with kids' ages. Okay. I saw and a kid names. in a stroller the other day and I was like, is he four? And the lady's like, no, he's one. Do you know how old <laughs> your kids are? You're going to lose track. <laughs> Well, yeah. No, I, my wife tells me how old they are. So do you guys think that when we have started, uh, not when, but like we have now started really leaning into, uh, you know, having all these terms for things like triggers. Somebody goes, all right, like well, I don't want to see things that trigger me because then I'm going to have a bad reaction. And it kind of takes the onus off of you having a bad reaction to something and putting it on a thing. Like it could even be like a nothing. It could just be something that somebody doesn't, they're not even trying to offend you. They just have like, like maybe you're really triggered by a uh, Ford Bronco. I don't know why you would be, but let's say somebody is. Are they supposed to just get rid of all Ford Broncos? No. Like that would be ridiculous. No, but that's, I think that's a really good question, but I think it's a two-way street. Yeah. I think we have to become so self-aware that we know what our triggers are because for many people, we don't know. We just know that we get mad at something, but we don't really know why. Yeah. And for other people to be sensitive to it, to acknowledge it. And- you, but that's like, I think that's the turn that I'm wondering about. It's like, how much is it my responsibility to be sensitive to somebody else's trigger? I don't know what that trigger is. Mm-hmm. Or like, you don't know what my triggers are. Right. And you don't know that leopard print, which you're wearing right now, which a lot of people say is <laughs> very sexy. I can't stand the, sta- the sight of it because I'm afraid of big cats. Okay. And oh. it scares me. You are triggering me right now. Now, that's not true. I actually love, the, I actually love this pattern. Okay. I think it looks great. But if I was triggered by that, would you feel bad about that? Or would you say, Jake, you're overreacting. This is leopard print. You need to get over it. I wouldn't say that. I would say, thanks for letting me know. I'll be, I'll think would about Would you not wear it again? I probably wouldn't. You are so kind. Well, you are. Vi- Lisa's a very kind person. Matt indeed. knows this. Lisa's yes, a very kind person. Very She's kind. much nicer than me. Because I assume this little girl was going to become a dictator immediately. <laughs> what do you think about this, Matt? Like triggering words and things like that. I are t- are I you worried the, the accepting point. of these things too much 
normalizes it in a way that people start going like, oh, well, like my tummy hurts today, so I can't go to school. I take your point, but anything can go too far in life. And I look at history and I look at society. And right now, our problem is not that we are too considerate of other people. That is not the problem. But that's so not- writ large, I think it's better that people are thinking about it both for their personal help and it also helps you deal with things. Because like Lisa said, if I look at something, I realize, oh, that's doing that for me or that has that effect. I can also choose what to do about it. I can talk about it in therapy. I can break it down in a smaller way. So maybe it won't trigger me as badly in the future at all. So I don't think that having a two-way street where people are both more self-aware and people are also more considerate is by and large a bad thing. Well, I think you're both very kind people because I, I don't see it as people not being considerate of others. I see it as people saying, you need to consider my feelings well, let's because put it these this are way. feelings being that I have. Being aware of other people, giving them a little more thought than we do and not assuming we can just bluster our way through life and not be concerned about how what we do affects others because it does. Well, of course, I'm concerned with other people and I try to be empathetic and sympathetic to everyone. All the different edicts I try to be. But what I'm saying is like this little girl was saying, we need to make sure that people are aware of triggers and this is a seven-year-old talking or however old you are in fifth grade. I don't know how old you are in fifth grade. I'm just wondering if this adoption of all these terms, is it better for society in general or is it putting up more roadblocks for people to like kind of stand behind? I think it's part of a moment we are having, which is part of our evolution as a society. Right. Sure. And at some point, we will probably back off from all of this discussion. Yeah, everything we, in moderation. These things yeah. find their equilibrium. Yeah, I think ultimately. I think Matt's, Matt said it, yeah. Okay, well, I don't like when people get triggered about everything. I just don't. But I'm It sure triggers you I'm when sure people are be triggered, a, apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah, Matt, you're right. All right, well, I stand corrected. All right, and this little girl, I'm sure she's going to be a fine governor. Sounds like she's going to do great. Um, let's, I just hope it's not in Washington just State. Just keep your hands off your tires. Just keep your hands off of my <laughs> four-wheel drive tires. All right, G and Ursula, can you really disconnect during your time off from work? I feel like we talked about this one a little bit No, it's a little bit different. This Go is a different it. one. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. A recent Glassdoor survey of over 20,000 employees asked whether people could fully disconnect or unplug during paid time off. More than half, 54% said, "Mm -mm, nope. An Adobe survey found that 76% of us check email even when we're not at work. And now new research from the... WSJ, Wall Street Journal, finds that the more employees detached in the evening, the more shame they felt at work the next morning. What? Now, this very experience that's supposed to rejuvenate employees made them feel bad about themselves instead, like they were problematic employees. So why do we feel so bad about not working, Ursula? First of all, if you have a manager that doesn't manage their own time very well and works all day and all night, that manager is setting an example. And I say that as someone who was in management and I was that person until it it literally put me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. That was not a good example for our employees. That was telling everybody you've got to work yourself to the bone and then some. Until you make yourself sick. I mean, looking at it now, that was just poor management on my part. Right. Because 
you know, but I was feeling pressure from I, I was middle management and I was feeling pressure from uh, folks above me who felt like you need to be, you know, you need to be busy. You need to be constantly churning out this, that or the other thing to get high ratings. Uh, and if you're not doing that, then you're not doing your job. And then you do feel that shame when, in fact, you are doing everything. You're just not doing everything and then some to the point where you get sick and then it actually impacts your job even more. Right. You know what's interesting about this is uh, I just think about this in like the different places that I've worked. Like right here, for instance, at the radio station. I left for seven years and now I've come back. The environment around here is so different than it was when I originally worked here. There was this like hustle bustle, fast pace, nose to the grindstone, don't take a sick day that was here like 10 years ago. And now I look around like I, I was at my desk the other day. I look up from my desk. And I see a couple of people over in this area. They're like sitting in a common area that we have here in the middle of the newsroom. And they're drinking coffees. And they're not talking about the news. And they're just like talking about their life. And I was looking at them thinking, what in the heck <laughs> do they think they're doing? How dare they sit and enjoy themselves at work? Because my mentality is still like, we need to keep working. We need to keep going. You know? And I'm just, just like, over here making a list of your triggers. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mind... <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about them, Matt. I'm not going to say anything about them. I'll dog them on the air. I'm not going to say anything personally to them. And I won't say their names personally. But I know and I've made a mental note that these people are not hard workers. Just kidding about that, by the way. But the culture, it really makes a big difference. And, like, have you have you found that in different places you've worked, Lisa? Well, I also took a break from working here. Um, so I think I left in 2012 and I came back um, part-time in 2019. Yeah. So almost almost exactly the same length of, of time. And there ha- was a big Way shift. Way different, right? Yeah, but people are nicer. People are more relaxed. They are. People are happier. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. And, and to Ursula's point... Unplugging is a very, very good thing. Totally. If you can do it. I find sometimes, like, when I get home at night, we get home pretty late from the from work at night, mm-hmm. so it's pretty easy for us to unplug once we get home because we have been very plugged in in this job. And the other th- weird thing about the jobs that we all do is that you have to be really, really present. Like, there's a lot of jobs that you can do, and you can be listening to an iPod, or not an iPod, I don't know what they use these days. You can be listening to a podcast that you might like, or... Uh, maybe on the side you have a solitaire game going or something like that. And, and a lot of jobs, you do find that you have little extra time. Like in here, though, when we're talking, like we're live. It's right in now. real time. Yeah, we're here. Like we can't. I can't be texting on my phone at the same time. So there's no disconnecting time. So by the time that I leave here at night, I'm literally like just I melt. Yeah. When I get home, and I just go like, oh boy, it's time to like down down shift. You know. So I can do that at night, but in the morning. I do have this instinct where almost immediately I'm like, all right, I'm going to check a work email. Just like check it really fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to send myself some notes about what's going to be on the show tonight. And if my kids are in the room, I feel bad about that. And so I try not, I try not to do it. I try to keep my phone away from my, away from myself until about noon. Good. I try to lock it away and really just like not use it if possible. Matt, do you, is this a problem for you? Yeah, I see. I like what you're doing there with the wait until noon thing. I think that's pretty smart. Uh, it was harder when I first started because in radio, I've always been so obsessed with the product. And when you find yourself listening to the station that you work for practically 24-7, sure. you might need to back off. You might need to put on some music or something occasionally. So you can see the forest from the, exactly. for the trees. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Get microfocus. 
All right, let's pick one more, Matt. You uh, Dealer's choice. You pick. All right, let's hit John and Sherry. John and Sherry, a large percentage of adults in America are still getting parental support. Let's hear about this. 60% of parents are still providing some financial aid. This is from the Wall Street Journal to their children. 60%. And they didn't get they did the ages of the kids that the parents are still paying for stuff? Yeah, so under 25, about 57% of these uh, kids say that they get help from their parents. Um, and the... 14% of children receive a money transfer of money at least once a year. That's adult children in general. Mm. Um, it says that, that between 30 and 34, uh, a lot of people are still getting parental help. So the significance of this is that it's the, the numbers have gone up quite, quite a bit over the last few years. So it used to be you'd be out of college, you'd kind of have your first apartment when you were 22, mm. 23. Uh, they kick you out of the nest. Now, a lot of people are living with their parents up until they're 40. And the other trend is, I know, and the other trend is the parents are helping with either a 10% or 20% down payment on a home because they're saying these kids can't, they, they can't get by with just their salary and then socking away that kind of money in order to afford a home. I get that. Like when it comes to the home, be, there's no way they can possibly save enough because of the prices of homes continue to climb. So you can never catch up. You can never put enough away because you say, okay, I'm going to put, I don't know, $20,000 away. That seems like 20 or $30,000 away. Both people are working. They're, you know, watching their expenses and they put the money aside. They're going to sock that away for the house. But then the property, the property value keeps going up every year. So they have to keep trying to save more just to get that initial down payment in place. So the parents will kick in and, hey, give you a little something to get you, you know, over the, you know, the hump to get you the down payment for the house. I get that for a big purchase like that. But then additionally supporting the kids when they're in their 30s and 40s. If you assume that the kids have got, you spend maybe some money on college and they got out it's like still giving money it's really interesting uh lisa what do you think about this parents who still have to be so present in a kid's life that we're calling them kids <laughs> and they're in their 30s and 40s i think this is a complicated one because i think if you have the money as yeah. a parent you would want to help your child of course and there's nothing i think there's nothing, nothing wrong. wrong with that yeah this did not happen to me in my life. I wish it had happened in my life, but yeah. they didn't have the money, so I, that didn't happen to me. Matt, what are you? What are your feelings on this? I mean, it, it, like Lisa said, there's a bunch of different factors. I actually had to move back home with my parents because when I was out of a job for a period of time, the best thing that I could do to stay afloat was to temporarily move back home. And but that's that's becoming more much more common than much it was more when common, I did it. and it's the it's it's totally what parents are there for. I mean, we should all be so lucky to have parents that want to help us. I think, too, this is sort of unique to our culture in a lot of ways in modern times and in the Western world, because a lot of families in other cultures for lo uh, numerous parts of history did have multi-generations right. in the same unit of housing. They sure. shared these resources, and that's changed now. Um, I was going to say that some, I, I, you know, I have, I'm going to have four kids here soon. I would love to be in a position someday to be able to be helpful to my kids. And when you're a parent of your children, just like you guys understand, having wonderful parents, they're going to do everything they can sure. to help you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I mean, there's probably a stigma, like you were saying, Matt, about people living with their parents until they're 40. Is that necessarily the most healthy relationship? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But it doesn't mean that people don't, you know, go through hard times. And sometimes you have to lean on the people that you love. That's what they're there for. And I think that's a wonderful thing. 
people have been wonderfully blessed uh, blessed to me and my family at times where it's been harder for us and I hope to be able to do the same thing for my kids and so you know it's just kind of it comes in cycles yeah, I hope so yeah anyway interesting very interesting topic good uh, good audio today Matt we have a lot more coming up on the show don't go anywhere we're gonna be right back here on Cairo Nights you're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I got a fun question for you guys. All right, you ready for this? We've been t- I don't know why. We've just had a lot of stories and I'm talking about your money lately. And so I got one more. Stick with me. You're going to care about this one, I promise. Are you ready? A lot of fun. Are you ready for a big increase in car insurance rates in our state? What? No, God. No, God, please, no. 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 No! All right, so this is on MyNorthwest.com. Go and read it there. Find out the information. Get informed so that you can just be angry. (laughs) I don't know. You don't have to get informed. Maybe it's better not to be informed so you don't have to sit there and just get, like, mad that they're costing you more money, that you're just going to have less money. It's no fun to have no money. You're going to have less of it if this comes true, and I hope it does. I'm crossing my fingers for all of us that it doesn't, but listen to this. The Washington State Office of the Insurance Commissioner, that sounds like a very official office, says the state experienced about an 18% increase in average insurance rates between 2022 and 2023. All right, so that's not good. 18% increase, that's a bad deal. I don't like it. However, let's look towards the future. Obviously, it's not 2023 anymore. We are now into 2024. So what can we expect? Back to the article. It will be much worse in 2024, boo, Uh, with an estimated 20 to 25% increase. Now, you might be asking yourself, I've been driving safe. I even got that little thing in the car that the people sent me to follow me around in my driving and let the satellites see how fast I'm going on the roads and my following posted speeds. I'm getting the discount at the end of the month because I'm driving safe and I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And I'm not a 16-year-old boy anymore, so why am I paying more for insurance? Oh, my gosh. Side note, by the way. I have three sons, and I'm about to have a fourth. I don't want to root for driverless cars too much because I really love the sensation of driving. I just love it. I think it's so freeing and it's so fun. I remember when I got my first car when I was 16 years old. I talked about it yesterday on the show a little bit. I mentioned it, but to really get into it. I found this Jeep Cherokee that I just fell in love with. Now, why did I fall in love with this thing? You might ask yourself because it's the ugliest car you've ever seen, but it was a Jeep Cherokee and I had four wheel drive and it was mine. It was my car and I could go anywhere I want in that car as long as I had enough gas to do so. And since I rarely had enough gas to do so, I never really got that far away from my house, but I could do anything. It represented freedom. That's what cars represent. That's why they're so fun. I paid, I'm trying to remember what I paid for that car. It wasn't much, but it was 1989. I was, the car was in 1989. I, it wasn't in 1989. This is like, it was a very old car at the time. It must have been 2000 something. It was like 2001, maybe, 19, maybe 2000. So the car was um, at least 11, 12, 13 years old. And it was maroon, which is not a great color for a car. Still to this day, not a great color, but even worse back then. The worst part about it is that it had this disgusting oxidized paint, which apparently was an issue on Jeeps of that era. I don't know why, but mine was super oxidized. And no matter how hard that I scrubbed it, probably because I 
washed it so many times, it actually got worse. I was thinking maybe I could just like rub this stuff off the outside of the paint job and it won't be so oxidized. But no, that's not what happened. No matter what I would do, it just looked like my car was sprayed with uh, uh, spray, like metal spray paint. Just ugly, horrible, awful looking car. But the inside was also not much better. Pretty ugly. It had leather seats, but it had a leak somewhere inside the car. And so water used to get in when it would rain and it would come in from the undercarriage. It would like come in like the wheels would like throw off water and then it would shoot up underneath the carpet. And then the carpet would just stink, which is the worst place to get wet. So my car always smelled bad. So I always had like 15 of those, um, those, uh, tree air fresheners in the car. And to top it all off, so we have a maroon 1989 Jeep Cherokee. We have oxidized paint. Oh, I forgot. One of the windows didn't roll down. The back right window. So anytime I was driving around with friends, I had to let them know, by the way, guys, don't roll down the window, which of course is the first thing you want to do when you get in this hunk of junk because it smelled like something had died in there, which it probably had at some point before I owned the car. And maybe even once I owned the car, maybe there was a dead mouse or something. I don't know. But it did have horribly smelling, stinky carpet. And since you couldn't roll the windows down because the electronics all the time would go on the fritz, it was just kind of a pain to be in. But it was mine and it was freedom and I could drive around when I could afford to do so with gas. Now, gas back then was a lot more, uh, uh, was a lot cheaper and a lot easier to afford. And car insurance was very high because I was 16. But now that I'm 40, it's not that bad. Like car insurance is not that bad. And I don't need to worry about it too much. And it just is what it is. You have to pay what you're going to pay. But I'm probably like in this in the class of safest driver right now because I've been doing it for a long time. I don't have any accidents on my record. And I don't speed much that they know about. And I'm driving my family around, so I'm going to be extra safe. But like I was saying, back to insurance. Insurance rates are projected to go up 20 to 25%. Why, you would ask yourself, are they going to go up 20 to 25%? Well, here's the reason why. We have seen a significant jump in auto theft in Washington. According to this article on MyNorthwest.com, I believe 30% year over year between 2019 and 2022. We might see that level off in 2024, but there are costs. Uh, But those costs are impacting for insurance companies whenever all those cars get stolen, and they are getting stolen a lot. Those impact what you and I pay in insurance. Even though you and I aren't stealing cars, you might say to yourself, Jake, why is my insurance going up? I'm not stealing cars. Well, I know you're not stealing cars. And the insurance company knows you're not stealing cars, but they still have to insure and pay out on cars that are being stolen. And they're being stolen a lot, like a lot. And in the car stealing business, brother, business is a booming. I think Hyundai uh, uh, stolen vehicles are up a couple hundred percent. Kia stolen vehicles are up because of that Kia boy TikTok trend that was going all around. Way, way up. In fact, King 5 did a little story on that. Get him back, old Bellevue police say this man, now 18-year-old Ardell Davis, is a self-proclaimed... Tonight, Davis is in the King County Jail alongside his associate, Ralphie Manuma, charged with robbery, unlawful imprisonment, and stealing a vehicle. Even if they keep happening, we'll keep going to court. Prosecutors are seeing more and more Kias and, and Hondas stolen, and we're responding in this exact same way. The King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office pointing to these charges as part of a larger problem. A King investigation last month found a 363% increase in stolen Hondas. For Kias, 503%. Instructions for stealing them 
is widely documented on social media. The so-called Kia Challenge leading so-called Kia boys on wild rides across town that in some cases involve guns and robbery. <laughs> That's a lot of so-called in that uh, uh, piece there from King 5, but thank you very much for that. All right, so uh, Kenton Brine, he is with the North Northwest Insurance Council. He was talking to Cairo 7, and he said, basically, the math is simple. The more stolen cars, the more claims. And the more money insurance companies have to dole out for those claims, making business very difficult to financially sustain. So their only option to stay afloat is to raise your rates. So every time you see one of those Kia boys on TikTok stealing one of those cars, they're actually taking money right out of your pocket. Does that make you feel good? No. Now, what can you do about it? I don't know. (laughs) I wish I had an answer for you. I don't. Encourage our local officials and government people to stop allowing people to steal cars. That's really all I can say. I don't know what else to do, but I hope my insurance doesn't go up much, and I hope yours doesn't either. And don't steal cars. It's dumb. Don't do it. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. It's me, your host, Jake Scorheim. I saw this story, and I thought it was kind of just bizarre, and I kind of labeled this in my email. Like, the way I do the show is I will see a story, and I might have some vague interest in it. And so what I quickly do is I copy the link, and I email it to myself, and I have this big, long show sheet email that has, like, dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of these links that I see on any given day. Probably, like, 50 links per day would be on average. And I'll put little things next to it. So for this one, I said, it's come to this. So that's kind of what the vibe of this story is. In Ohio, they are having a little bit of an attendance problem in schools. And they have a very interesting fix. I don't know if it's a good fix, but it is an interesting fix. So the New York Post has this story. Now listen to this. What they have started to do in Ohio is that they've noticed that they can't get kids to come to school. And they're trying to scratch in their brains. Now, there's already rules about kids going to school and there's truancy laws and things like that. And so those are apparently not working. And so, again, the New York Post details what they're doing. Students as young and and as we listen to this, one more caveat before we start. As you listen to this, I want you to think, do you think this would work in our schools? And should we implement something like this in our schools? You can hit me up on the text line, 888-973-5476. I will tell you what I think after you get the story, but you probably already get by my sarcasm what I think about this idea. But anyway, here we go. New York Post. Students as young as five could get paid to show up to class under a proposed Ohio law aimed at fighting absenteeism. Under a pilot program, the state would make biweekly $25 cash transfers to select kindergarten. Now, that's a lot of money. I'm, just, I'm stepping outside the article for a second. 25 bucks. If I told my kid he was going to get 25 bucks just for going to school, he'd be there. Now, we make our kids go to school. That's something we require in the Scoreheim house. You probably do the same in your house. So this isn't an issue. But if my kid thought he could get paid to go to school, trust me, he'd be showing up. All right. Uh, under the pilot program, the state would make biweekly $25 cash transfers to select kindergarten and ninth grade students just for showing up to class nine out of 10 days in the two week span. So, okay, nine out of 10 days, 10 days, five days a week of school. All right, so nine out of 10 days. That makes sense. Students who kept up a 9% attendance rate for the year would get $150 at the end of each quarter and 
$700 at the end of the year. Bingo. Pretty good money. Now, here's a couple of questions that I had when I saw this story. One, does Ohio not have truancy laws like we have in Washington State? You have to go to school unless you're homeschooled with the exception of going to homeschool. And you still have to show that your kids are going to homeschool. You need to show that they are being schooled somewhere. Aren't kids already obligated to attend school? Like that's that's question number one. And two, here's another question. Is it a good idea to pay students for something that they're already supposed to do for free? What kind of a precedent are you setting? By saying to your kid, like, I'm just trying to imagine how this will work out with my kids. So if I told my kids, listen, here's what they're, they're going to start doing. They're going to start paying you, in this case in Ohio, they're going to do $25 a week. So my kids already attend school every single day. They don't miss school unless they're really, really sick. And actually, no, that's not true. They they attend school until they're even a tiny bit sick. And if they're a tiny bit sick, because my kids are still very young, we let them stay home and we let them have a nice day to rest. And I'm also feeling like as a parent, I don't want to send my kid with a cold or the flu back into the big population of students at school and then get everybody sick. I appreciate when parents keep their kids home when they're sick. All right, so back to the question. If my kids suddenly thought this thing that they were supposed to do already for nothing, they could suddenly start getting paid to do. When that goes away, because you just can't pay students to go to school at all times. That's just not affordable. If that ever goes away, are my kids going to be less obliged to attend school? Are they going to start to feel like this thing that they are now feeling entitled to, that they deserve that thing? Like, why do they deserve $25 for going to school? The value is the education. That's what you're getting. When you get out of school, you've learned to read. There's lots of great things that happen at school. You make friends. You learn how to socialize. Uh, You learn how to do math, I hope. I'm praying. I'm still crossing my fingers that they know how to do those things when they're done with school. And when you're done doing all those things, then you get out of school and you have options. And then that's where the money comes in. When you learn how to do lots of great stuff in school, you get money. Because you get a great job. So paying kids to go to school early, I feel like sends them down the wrong path. And maybe sets a bad precedence that things that they should be happy to do for free, that they deserve to be paid for, that just doesn't fly. I don't like that. As a parent, I just think that's a bad idea. You know what? Here's another idea. Like, here's another idea. I'm just thinking about this. Why not? Because it's a parent's job. It's like their responsibility to raise these these kids and make sure the kids are safe, make sure they're uh, fed and clothed, and make sure they go to school so that they can learn good, (laughs) learn to read good. Uh, Why don't you find the parents? Rather than give kids the money, why don't you find the parents if the kids don't show up for school? Because everybody knows that the best kids in the world and the most successful kids at school are kids whose parents are actively involved in their education. We know that. That's just true. So maybe find the parents who aren't actually caring whether or not their kids show up at school. That could be a good idea. I like that. Rather than rewarding, like, why are we just giving out all this money? Like, where are we getting all this money? Anyway, this is not us again. This is in Ohio. But you know what they say? So goes Ohio. So goes Seattle. Isn't that the saying? No, it's not. Nobody's ever said that. All right. We got a lot more coming up on the show. Stick around. Next hour is the third hour of the show. And that's when we can really cut loose and have some fun. So stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. 